Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right. Good morning. Good morning, Fusion Church, 6 a.m. soap. How are you guys feeling? All right, we are in Judges 3. How about that? We are out of out of Joshua. We're into the Judges, this period of uh, of time where um, it's about a, where it, where it's about a 400 year period of time in the life of the children of Israel prior to them um, asking for a king. We'll discuss that here in a, in a in a good while once we get to the. To, to King Saul and all, all those guys um, about a 400 year period, you know, um, after Joshua and Caleb and all those, those leaders, you know, had finally, had finally passed on. Um, so I'm excited judges. Um, hey, we had worship in the park this past Saturday, man, what an amazing time. Um, miss seeing some of your faces. Um, but come on, it was, it was awesome. Um, God was definitely moving. Um, my EHT brothers and sisters, you'd be proud of your CCL brothers and sisters stepping up and just doing an amazing thing in, in Cumberland County. Um, uh, so many people coming for prayer, you know, just over 300 people showing up. Um, so it was amazing. It was an amazing time. So thank you for your prayers. They were definitely felt. Um, okay, Judges 3, I'm going to pray and we're going to get into it. Father, we love you. We just thank you, Lord, for, for your word, Lord God. Father, I pray that as we're, we're continuing this journey of the children of Israel, Lord God, now entering the book of Judges, Father, that, that we can just continue to see you working, not just in, in, in this story and what you what you did for Israel, Lord God, but Father, also seeing what you are doing in our own lives, Father, Lord. I pray with you that you will be with us during this time, Lord. Pray that it be your words that are that are heard, not mine, Father. That I would fade to the background, but you will be at the forefront of what you want to speak to your your children, Lord. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name, Amen, and Amen, Amen. All right, uh, Judges three, and uh, I am reading from the New King James Version. Now these are the nations which the, which the Lord left that he might test Israel by them that is all who had known any of the wars in Canaan this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war at least those who had not formerly known it namely five lords of the Philistines all the Canaanites the Sidonians and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of, entrance of Hamath and they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Thus, the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs. 
Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the land of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim eight years. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel, who delivered them, Othniel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord delivered Cushan Rishathaim king of Mesopotamia, into his hands, and his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishastam, so the land had rest 40 years that Othniel, the son of Canaz, died. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, excuse me, went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he turned him, he himself turned back from the stone images that were at, at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he rose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took a dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he is probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed, and Still, he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped Sirah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. Then he said to them, Follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. After him, Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Amen. All right, so we are seeing the first judges for Israel. There's a lot of stuff that happened here. Um, and it begins in verse one, it talks about the nations that were left. God had left these Canaanite nations behind because Israel was not faithful in driving them out. We, we could say that it was a combination of of both their choice and also God's will that these Canaanite nations um, were left um, there because it, it was within God's power to eliminate these pagan nations with, without any help from Israel. But God had given them 
um, a mandate to drive out your enemies, but they fail to do so. You know, um, if you were at Cumberland County this weekend, um, Pastor Brennan preached from from Joshua 17, talking about how there was all this land, you know, for for the tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim to take, you know, because they were so numerous in numbers, and they were they were complaining about what they had. And Joshua was like, "Look, you have all this land, take it, take it, take it." But they failed to take it, and we're still seeing some of the the repercussions of Israel not being obedient to God. And we're here we are, you know, so many years later, and they still have allowed the Canaanite people to be there. God said, the land of Canaan is yours. Take it, take it. And they did not to do so, you know? So God allowed them to, to remain for, for, for a reason, you know, it says to test them. The, the word test here is, is, is used in the sense of, of proving, you know, these nations would remain because God wanted to prove the faithfulness of Israel to himself and to improve their reliance on him to prove and to improve. Cause listen, God doesn't just instantly change every area of our lives, right? He doesn't just do it, you know, just so that, so that, so that our relationship with him can be proved and improved. He does it. He, 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 he allows things to take their natural course because God, we serve a powerful God. And he could have wiped them out in an instant. But if we don't do our part, he's it's almost it's almost like a parent when when you tell your kid, listen, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, and they do it, you know. You're like, what I tell you, you know, what I tell you, the stove is hot, don't touch it. Oh, you burned yourself. I told you over and over and over and over again, you know. I put things in place so you could not touch the, the hot stove. But yet you're so curious, you're, you know, and so God, you know, God wants us to live a life of, of true partnership with him, right? But Israel did not want to do their part of the, of the, of the partnership. God has set a covenant with Israel. If you obey me, if you do this, I will promise, I promise. And God was always faithfully kept his end of the bargain, but Israel messed up. Right. And so, but also God allowed the Canaanites to stay there. It says in verse two, so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught, excuse me, to know war. This was another reason why God allowed them to remain. You know, he wanted his people to be warriors. Okay. Israel had gotten lax. They had taken as much land as they were willing to take. Right. They were, they were tired of war. They were tired of battle. So now you have this new generation coming up. And it's like, they're kind of wusses, right? Let's be real, guys. They, they, they don't know how to fight. They don't know how to stand up for themselves. You know, they've been catered to. And so God wanted his people to be warriors. And, and the presence of these dangerous neighbors would make it necessary for these future generations to know war, you know? Just like it says, no one likes the struggle against sin, right? But the battle is good for us because the symbol of, of Christianity is a cross, right? It's not a, it's, it's not a feather bed. Christianity is hard. Sometimes we're going to go to war. We have struggles. We have sins that we deal with constantly, right? 
But when we when we allow God to be in our struggle, we allow God to to to, to move on our behalf, and we do our part. That is how we overcome. If Israel had just allowed um, God to move, and if they had been obedient to His call, obedient to His commandment to go drive out these wicked people, there would have been no issue, right? And and God named each of the pagan people that stubbornly stayed in the land, you know, uh, in the same pattern, some could today make a specific list of, of, of pagan territory in, in, in our own lives. What's the, what's that, that, that thing, that sin, that, that for lack of better uh, phrase, pagan territory that you still have in your life. That's still taking control. That still takes root. Such a list may, might, might be helpful in the way that it causes one to identify your enemy. You have to know who your enemy is. What is that sin? What is that little thing that you allow to take root? Could it be anger? Could it be lust? Could, could it be any number of things? You need to identify it. And that's why it's included in Judges. Who were the, What were these, these, these nations that Israel was going to have to face? Verse four, that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would be whether they would obey. The reason why that God didn't just eliminate these nations is again stated. It was to prove Israel's commitment to God, and to prove Israel's command uh, uh, a commitment to His word. Because if they were obedient to the word of God, the other nations could not hinder them, and they would grow strong enough to to drive them out completely. But Israel forgot. Israel forgot. It says they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons. Part, part of the accommodation of, uh, of Israel to the, the pagan peoples that were surrounding them was that was their sin of intermarriage into the pagan nations. Right? They just wanted to make peace. We don't want to fight peace. Peace. Hey, let's exchange our, our you know. Our kids, they can get married and we'll be one big happy family, but they were allowing sin to enter into the nations. They forgot, verse 7, the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. These ungodly romances led them to the worship of, of pagan deities. And we're going to see throughout the entire uh, history of Israel, right? They're continually falling into, into the trap of idol worship. And so it says he, he sold them into the land of, uh, of the king of Mesopotamia, right? So God's like, okay, you want to be with them? You want to be a part of them? You want to, you know, I'm going to give you exactly what you want. Because you don't want to serve me, God's saying, you know, in so many words. You don't want to serve me. So, so God allowed them to be in bondage to a pagan king. But then inevitably, they cry out to the Lord. Verse 9, after eight years of bondage, Israel finally cried out on the dependent, cried out independence on God. Why did it take them so long? Why did it take eight years? Why, you know why? Because in the beginning, everything was cool. It was small sins. It was little things. Right. You know, I'm only going to I'm only going to, you know, do this just a little bit. I'm only going to be involved with this just a little bit. And it began, began to snowball. Right. And eight years, the children of Israel look around and they're seeing the, 
what they're in, like what they're doing, what they're involved in, who's like the evil that's around them. And they're like, oh my God, we have gone so far. Isn't that how sin gets us? The little things, the little things that we do and it just builds up and it grows and it grows and it grows. But God raised up a deliverer, a deliverer, Othniel, right? Othniel was the son-in-law of Caleb. And we've read about Caleb a whole lot. Caleb was one of two spies that was sent into, into, into the promised land. I said, let's go take it. Let's go. Come on. One of two men who, who lived through the 40-year wilderness experience. Right? And so, you know, if you're the, if you're the son-in-law of a man like Caleb, you got to be somebody. Right? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Caleb wasn't just going to let nobody, just any dude, marry his daughter. <laughs> right? So Othniel, you know, he feared the Lord. And it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him in verse 10. Now, we don't know much about Othniel. But this is enough to know that the Holy Spirit empowered him for the job that God had called him to do. Othniel lived the principle that we'll read about later on in Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Because of the spirit of the Lord upon him, he was able to deliver Israel. And then inevitably, they mess up again, right? It says, um, the children of Israel, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. After God had had um, brought them you know, deliverance through the work of Othniel, they eventually messed up again, right? They eventually messed up again. They forget what God did, you know, and, and their victory didn't last forever. It had to be maintained. Brothers and sisters, when God delivers you from something, when God brings blessings into your life, when God helps you to overcome this or overcome that or brings restoration here or rest or whatever it is, whatever victory it is you're looking for, do not forget what God did. You cannot rest on that blessing. A lot of times as believers, we have victory somewhere, right? And we're all, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord, you know? And then and all of a sudden we're in church all, all, all for a, a whole lot and we're serving everywhere. We're, we're so on fire for God. And then we forget what God did, right? Let's just be real. How many people in your life that you know in the church that they're on fire, right? And then they slowly start backing away from one thing or another. You know, they got, oh, I got this commitment. I got that commitment. Oh, this is happening. That's happening. And you, you see them less and less and less, right, at church, right? And I'm not saying there aren't valid reasons why, you know, someone's not in church every single Sunday, okay? So please, please hear me, hear me. But when you have these people in the church, and you don't see them at all. Then all of a sudden, you get a phone call, you get a text, or they finally show back up in church. And when you talk to them, hey, man, how's everything going? I haven't seen you in a while. The world is crashing down around them. Why? Because they have not been faithful to the Lord. Let's just be real. Let's come on. Let's be honest. Right? They have not been faithful. They forgot what God did for them. They forgot the blessings. They forgot the deliverance for their family. They forgot. 
life. They've allowed life to get in the way. And the sins begin to creep up again, right? And just like Israel, they allowed these pagan nations to influence them, right? And now they're stuck and now they're back and they're asking for, for, for deliverance. They're asking for God to, to, to provide, God to bless. God, and, it's, and it's like, you have not done your part. This, this, listen, this Christian faith isn't something we just say, you know, we, we, we say a prayer at the end of service, you know, and we pick up our Bible every once in a while and we're good. No, we have to exercise our faith, right? Because trials and tribulations will come. But if you don't have your spiritual muscles built up, you do not know and you are incapable of combating whatever it is that's coming against you. Because trials, well, I'm telling you, trials will come. Please, brothers and sisters, don't think that because, you know, you see certain leaders in the church, you know, you see pastors in the church, elders in the church, you know, and, and you know, and we have, you know, we, we have a good outlook and we're happy all the time. Don't think that life isn't kicking our butts as well. Come on. Don't think that everything is just, you know, you know, peaches and cream, you know, and sunshine and roses. And, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we're just, everything is just great. No, listen. I have bad days just like the rest of y'all, right? And there are things, we family, right? We family, you know, there are things that just tick me off. But if I allow myself to, to, to get wrapped up in what's going on around me, no, my focus needs to continually be on Jesus Christ every day, 24-7, praying without ceasing. Israel took their focus away from God. They were delivered. Othniel, deli- you know, the, the judge came, delivered them from what they were going through, right? He helped raise up men. They delivered. They fought and whatever. And then, and then, and they're like, "Oh, this is great. Oh, we're, we're we're good then. We're good guys. Going back home. We're good." And they forgot what God did. This happens continually in the life of Israel, and that happens continually in our lives. We must do our part to come against this. We must do our part to be continually hooked in to to, to, to the vine that is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a word from somebody. And it may be you and it may be someone in your in, in, in within your sphere of influence that you know needs to be continually tapped in to Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, they did evil on the sight of the Lord, right? He brought them deliverance and they messed up again. Right. And it talks about three peoples that oppressed Israel. It talks about Moab. Moab was was a nation situated um, to the east of the Dead Sea. And it, it was settled as a kingdom about 50 years prior to Israel coming in to the promised land. I just want to give you a little bit of context of, of the peoples we're dealing with. Ammon. The Ammonites, they, they, they were northeast of Moab. And they were a, a nation that was established um, um about the same time as Israel was established around 13, the 13th century BC. And then the Amalekites was a nomadic race that occupied a huge area just south of Judah. And um, arguably they could have, they, they were probably the, the most bitter enemy of the Israelites. So now this King Eglon comes in and takes over, right? And they're serving him. And listen, because Israel's sin again brings bondage right? Israel's sin 
brings bondage again. And we're going to see this throughout the, throughout the life of Israel. Their sin, they're in bondage. They're delivered. Sin, bondage, delivered. It's crazy, right? But we can't judge Israel. We can't sit there, you know, sit, you know, sit here on, on, our, on our, our pedestals and be like, how could Israel? No, because we do the same thing. And I've already talked about that. We do the same thing as Israel. They suffered eight years um, in bondage before they cried out to God in the days of Othniel. And then when Eglon comes in and takes over, they suffered another 18 years of bondage before they cried out to the Lord. What's that tell you? I don't know what it tells me. It tells me, right? And I'll apply it to my life that they got wrapped up in sin, they were delivered. And then the, the, the sin may have taken a little bit longer, right, to take root before, before, um, they cry out to God, right? Because you kind of get used to your garbage, right? You get used to living the way you're living. You know, it's like, it's, it's something you're, you get comfortable with it. So it took them even longer to cry out to God, right? But they cried out to God. Sin always brings bondage, brothers and sisters. And it may come deceptive, deceptively, but sin always brings bondage. No, we're not we're not being conquered by a, a, another nation and put into slavery, you know, but sin is just as harsh, just as hard as, as this bondage that, right. So they cried out to the Lord and the Lord raised up a deliverer. This shows the mercy of God. Israel repeatedly drifts from God and he had every right to cast them off. Listen, let's be real. He had every right to get rid of Israel. Just like, kind of like, you know, wipe his hands, be, be done, right? But God is faithful to the covenant that he made with them. He is faithful to the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the forefathers of Israel. And God is always faithful. When Israel repeatedly drifted from God, he had every right to cut them off. Yet he responded um, when they finally did call for a deliverer, right? And so... We've been, we learned about Ehud, this next judge that, that comes up, you know, and this, this king of Moab, Eglon, he required tribute, you know, and Israel had to pay this tribute. They had to pay money because, again, they were under the, the, the dominion of the king of Moab. And he says, I have a message for you after he brings him a tribute. And it says in verse 21, Ehud reached with his left hand, right? So because most men fought with their right hand right? They were, you know, they were right-handed. And even if they were a left-handed, they were trained to fight right-handed. It's just the way it was in ancient times. Um, it wasn't expected for a man to use his left hand um, with a knife, with a sword, with any kind of weapon. So this shows that Ehud had some cunning and, um, and the strike to Eglon was going to be unexpected, right? And so he goes and he stabs the king with his left hand to the point where, and it's, it's very specific, the man was fat, right? So he stabbed him in his gut and, and the, the entire sword, you know, just kind of got sucked up into, into, into the in old dude's belly, right? And some people have a problem with this, this, this act of assassination that Ehud did to the, the, to the king of Moab, right? And we can't say whether, um, that this was an event is, is approval, 
you know, since it's in the Bible, if it's, you know, if it's showing approval or, it's, or, it's, or, or commission of those who would assassinate rulers um, who oppress the people of God, I, I don't know. But, and God did not necessarily approve of the method used by, by Ehud. And listen, it may be significant that um, it never says that the spirit of the Lord had came upon Ehud, right? You read about the other judges, Othniel. We just read about Othniel. And it says, and it said the spirit of the Lord came upon Othniel. It doesn't say the same thing about Ehud, right? You know, um, and that Ehud was never described as judging Israel. So just a little, little bit of tidbits of information, just to kind of kind of keep in mind. Nevertheless, the Bible reliably records the incident without giving specific approval of the assassination. But it says he led them afterwards. He led them as as much. Much, much cunning and courage Ehu had, he could not do the work by himself. He had to lead men. It's essential for, for brave and faithful men to, 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 to rally around him. You know, Ehud had to have followers, followers in the same way. God lifts up leaders in the church, but they cannot do the work by themselves. The whole body needs to work together. Brothers and sisters, as, as pastors of the church, as elders of the church, as leaders of the church, we cannot do the work by ourselves, right? Pastor Brendan cannot do the work of Fusion Church by himself. My man does too much already, right? And, and if he had to do everything by himself, whew, the church would have been closed down year, year one. It would have been closed, right? But he had to rally people around him, elders around him other pastors around him, right? And so that means that we need all of you guys to be a part of what the uh, of what the work of the body of Christ is happening uh, is, ha- is happening around us. We need everyone, the entire body needs to come together to use the tools, use the gifting that God has given them. Right? And and it says he says follow me for the Lord has delivered. Ehud asked the Israelites to follow him because, you know, he was their leader yet he would also encourage them to look to to look with faith to the Lord, right? Why? Because he says, "For the Lord has delivered your enemies into your hand." And after this, the land had rest for eighty years. Ehud's cunning and his courage, coupled with Israel's faithfulness, following the leader, brought Israel's longest um, period of freedom and peace under the four hundred year judges portion of israel right so think about this 400 total years of judges right and this now we're seeing 80 years is the longest time they have peace why couldn't they have 400 years of peace why because israel did not remain faithful to the lord and the last verse, I'm trying to make this quick. Shamgar, the son of Anath. Shamgar is, is one of six individuals we call uh, minor judges because not much is written about them. This man, Shamgar, one verse, you know, but it's, it's, it's significant why he, why this one verse is in the Bible because, you know, really one verse, who cares, right? But God wanted this in here for a reason. You know, and so not so these minor judges, not much is written about them, yet the work they did for God was just as important in their day as anyone else's work. And it says he killed 600 Philistines, right? Shamgar was was a man of great accomplishment, yet again, only one verse describes his work. 
it's 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 possible that so little is said because the story was so well known, right? So when when um when Israel would read the writings, right, and they read about Shamgar, well, you know, as soon as they they mention the name Shamgar, like everyone knows who that is. So perhaps that's why not a whole lot is written. But it says he had an ox goat. So Shamgar is an excellent example of serving God. He simply used what God had in his hand. In this case, he had an ox goad. An ox goad was a stick that was about eight feet long and about six inches around at its biggest end. And one of the ox goad was was pointed for for, uh, poking an ox to make the ox do what you wanted to do. And the other end was like like a chisel that we use for scraping the plow um free of dirt and he delivered israel there's nothing spectacular about an ox goat but god can use and god wants to use whatever is in your hands what is in your hands right now what is the gift that god has given you what is the tool that you have at your disposal god can use it shamgar was 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 merely uh uh doing his job right he tended to ox he was doing his job no big deal but God chose to use him. He took what was in his hand, and when prompted by God, he rescued the people um, of God from their enemies. Shamgar was like Moses with his shepherd's staff, or, or David with his shepherd's sling. God can use the simple things to accomplish great things. Brothers and sisters, what is the gifting you have? What is the talent you have that you think is so insignificant? God can never use me. That's a lie of the enemy. God can never use me. I'm a nobody. I'm insignificant, right? I'm I'm, I'm content just, just getting on 6 a.m. soap or listening to the podcast every day and, and coming to church once a week. Maybe do a connect group there every once in a while and get involved. But, but God can never use me, right? That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God can use every single one of you. What is it that you have in your hand? What is the talent? What is the gift that you have at your disposal? God can use it. If God can use a man like Shamgar, who only has one verse of the Bible, right, for him, and says he used an ox code to kill 600 Philistines, 600 Philistines, right? That means he took on he took on a small army by himself. But what? But how was he able to do that? Because on his own he couldn't do that. The Philistines would have ran him down. But he had the Holy Spirit. He had the Lord on his side, fighting his battle, and he was able to kill six hundred people with a stick. Think about that with a stick. What can God use of yours? What he, what can God use to accomplish his mission, his mandates, his calling, his tasks for your life? Brothers and sisters, as I, as I close, I'm going, I've already gone over time. I, I implore you, cry out to God. Lord, what, what do I have? Use me. Brothers and sisters, if we just say, God, use me, however you use me. It'll, it'll blow your mind what he will do when we just get out of the way. Stop looking at our circumstances through our own sight and allow the Holy Spirit to download into you and get, to give you some supernatural vision. And he will make it evident exactly what he wants to do and how he wants to use you. Amen. Whew, let's pray. 
Father, we love you. We just thank you, Lord God. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. We thank you that you're always true, always, always present in our lives. Even when we, when we forget you, when we forsake you, Lord God, you were always there, Father. I pray that we will not be like the children of Israel, that we will not allow time to go by without us uh, uh, fostering our relationship with you, without being, without reading your word, without praying to you, without worshiping you, Lord God. I pray that we will never fall into to, to captivity to our sin, captivity to our circumstance, Lord God. Father, we are more than overcomers because of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. So I pray that we will not forget this, Father. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Bless them, keep them, and guide them, Lord God. Give them an extra level of supernatural wisdom, Lord God, to know what it is you have for them, Lord. Like supernatural strength to accomplish the mission you've placed before them, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord, and I continue to give you praise. We continue to give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, whoo, be like Shamgar. Don't be like the rest of the Israelites. Amen. God bless.